to On the Block with Stricken Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Got some breaking news in the NBA front uh, as uh, there's a lot, lot going on as Whoa. far as free agency. Break, breaking, and news? breaking news? Breaking mm. uh, news. Uh, DeJounte Murray uh, has been San Antonio. has been on the trade block. We've kind of heard over the last few days. No longer in San Antonio. Multiple first-round picks in Danilo Gallinari sent from the Hawks. So DeJounte Murray will now be part of a backcourt with Trey Young. You like it? They kind of both play point ah! but it allows Trey Young to be an off guard. DeJounte likes to handle that rock. You oh, got, he does. You got a problem of two. Two point guards. Two pat point guards. Like pat, pat, Ball pat. Ball dominant pat, point pat, guards. Pat, yep. pat, pat hey, dominant. That, that's always tough, bro. That's really tough. Like, for example, like Dame Lillard is, is a point guard that handles, but he's not a pat, pat yeah. type of guy, right? So if you're playing alongside. Uh, Bradley Beal or um, who who was just up there with him um, that just CJ CJ uh, McCollum yeah. you know guys that also need to handle you know a Paul George type you're going to need somebody that's a Pat but just to give you break because they like to handle Pat do things playing aside like a James Harden um. You know, there's a difference between a CP3 and a James Harden. Oh, yeah. You understand? Yeah. So, like, it, it's really – that's the thing about the NBA to me now is finding out what those core um, – your core is going to be and then what those core qualities of the players are and do they mesh. Because if they don't, for instance, we've seen the worst of it in L.A. Pat Pat LeBron with super Pat Pat <laughs> yeah. Westbrook. That stuff don't work. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It hinders, you know, the best of what Anthony Davis does. It hinders, you know, LeBron's effectiveness. So then he changes his whole mind. It's crazy. And I understood how Kevin Durant got frustrated. Yeah. You know, so that's the part that you're hoping can be worked out. Yeah. That's the part that you have to, as a coach, try to figure out how to finagle your lineups to work to where their pat pats are offset in 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 their in their play. You start them together, and then you figure out in your rotation how you make sure they're kind of in offset moments, and they're not playing all the time in that in that role to where there's frustration or you're getting out of rhythm or you're losing what they do best because of the fact that one of the others is over pat pat yeah we'll see how it works out maybe trey young off off ball can do work you understand on the starter Heyman talking about <laughs> do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth don't no one understand the words that are coming out of your mouth that's what i'll always say that's my uh that's my rush hour joke uh let's go uh to the uh uh of lincoln hotline there sorry got confused there 402-464-5685 we're joined by evan bland of the omaha world herald evan i wanted to start with this uh because strick threw it out to the text line what are the three like dungeons the the, the dungeon franchises uh if you get drafted or we wouldn't want want to be if you're a quarterback uh in the nfl which 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 franchises stick out to you the most well, I think the one that comes to mind first would be the Bears. I mean, oh, you play in a cold Whoa. climate. You're constantly reminded about your quarterback inadequacies when you play Green Bay every year for the last, like, 30 seasons, it <laughs> seems like. 
Um, they just, you know, guys, nobody gets better there, and the guys that are viewed as good uh, don't always stay that way. You know, mm-hmm. how good has Justin Fields been necessarily? Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Elite 11, Justin Fields is in trouble then. Right, right. I mean, I think you know they're certainly not the only ones. You could, I, I think, of Washington and Jacksonville. Okay. I'm, I'm still putting Cleveland in there too. Even okay, though, you know Baker's had his moments, but um, yeah, I, I think I'd have to go Chicago. Um, real quick, if you guys would indulge me, you're talking about that that Hawks Spurs trade. I'm a Spurs fan, so I feel like oh, okay. I can uh, speak somewhat intelligently on Talk this. To it, me. It's a major move on the Spurs side. Everyone talks about Hawk, the Hawks and Murray. But on the Spurs side, they they haven't really sold off like this, like in the last you know twenty or to thirty 20 years. years. Yeah. So I don't know that uh, you know Popovich is the guy who's going to be rebuilding there uh, in his seventies in the next few years. But uh, you know, I, I would say that I'm for that move just because they've been in sort of that purgatory, that eight nine spot mm-hmm. where you just don't want to be in the NBA where you're just barely fighting to get in and you, and you don't get the good draft picks. So, um, you know, I, as much as people are, are excited about it from the Atlanta standpoint, uh, I'll take it from the Spurs side too. Well, real quick, let's stay there real quick because, Evan, um, when, you, when you talk about that as well, it's not a destination city as well, right? You have to be able to do it. And they've been effective in doing it in the G League and they've been effective in doing it in signing and the way that they've kind of accumulated their – um, their talent, but the the Spurs also have to try to figure out who their next coach is going to be to lead them. Who could you see being the next type of guy that can come down into that San Antonio uh, Spurs that has been dominant for so long in the way that they've done business as an organization? Who could you see? taking the reins from Popovich and taking it to the, you know, to the next phase of it. Yeah. I mean, that's the big question down there because you're right. He's not going to be there all that much longer. The good news, I think if you're the Spurs organization is if you want to keep it in house, he has quite the coaching tree. I mean, he himself came from the Larry Brown coaching tree before him and he's had a number of assistants over the years, uh, you know, whether that's Budenholzer or, um, you know, a number of other guys who've gone on to be head coaches, elsewhere in the league that you could call upon to say, hey, you know, these guys know the quote-unquote Spurs way. Come on back and, and let's see if we can continue this. Um, you know, or you can you can reset the thing and, and go a different direction too. I mean, that would be awfully attractive with uh, some of the draft capital that they're building up. But you're right, like the Spurs can't do it the way that some of your big market teams can do it. I mean, even when they were at the peak of their powers, it was mm-hmm. like pulling teeth to yeah. get some of your top free agents to consider San Antonio. They just they just didn't go there, even yeah. if there was the money and, and the promise of winning games. So they have to do it a little bit differently. But I do think because of the success they've had in the last 20 years, they're going to have more options maybe than people think. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of interesting because you brought up Budenholzer and, and Ime Aduko is another one that just led the Celtics to the finals. But those guys almost have risen above the level of rebuilding in San Antonio. But I would, if I were you, I'd, I'd, I'd like to keep it on the tree, like you're saying. And maybe a Becky Hammond, the Milkman says, off the text line, that'd be a historic move. But in any case, I'd, I'd like to keep uh, keep it on the on, on the pop coaching well, she's tree. Actually I mean, he's on, great. Didn't she, didn't she did. She, she went. She's in WNBA, WNBA now. Yeah, yeah but yeah, maybe able to come back there. So that's fascinating. Also, Evan, since we have you here, I also wanted to talk about the College World Series a bit because uh, the last three years now has been won by an SEC team. Seems like the sport's <laughs> headed in that direction. Is that kind of how you see it? 
Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, they're the, the league that puts the most into it in terms of resources. And, you know, it was kind of funny even to see Ole Miss win it this year. Like, they were the last at-large team in, and they were a three-seed. But, like, it was hard to consider them an underdog in the true sense of the word. I mean, this was not Stony Brook. This was not mm-hmm. Coastal Carolina winning it in 2016. This was not Fresno State winning it, you know, 12 years ago. Um, this is a school that pays its head coach $1.2 million a year, uh, that has facility upgrades, that has a ton of talent around it. So even when, you know, it, it, the, the favorites in the league like Tennessee lose, the league still wins because those teams, those those other teams have so much talent and so much depth and they're so prepared and steeled by the regular season that by the time they get to the postseason, they're ready to go. And I think that's the way college baseball is going. Um, you know, you know the saying, follow the money. Well, you know, that's a league like the Big Ten, but unlike the Big Ten, this a lot of the money has trickled down from football into those baseball programs. There's a lot of passion there. Obviously, they have the geographical advantage with warmer weather and more people that, that play baseball year-round. So, yeah, I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. And if the sport continues to trend in the direction that it looks like it's going to with unlimited scholarships and some of the other things changing, uh, I think you're even going to see that chasm widen between some of your power teams that really care and the rest of uh, college baseball. All right, quick, uh, Evan, I know we we, uh, we always love having you. Thank you continuously for being a part of On the Block. We thank you for your joining us with your wisdom, and and uh, we appreciate of that. But one of the things I want is a quick two-part. It's, um, you know, obviously we know that Zane Flores has chosen to go uh, right now as a commitment to OSU, or Oklahoma State, and uh, he's right here out of Gretna, and um, – you know the Huskers have chosen to kind of go with Whipple as in the in the committed signing of hopefully William Washington. Okay, but Zane Flores finds himself down at the Elite Eight, and I mean not not Elite Eight, the Elite Eleven uh, quarterback um, co- you know competition basically. And what do you think that would look like if he ends up like being a superstar for the program? down there at OSU and William Watson just kind of ends up being basically average. Hmm. Well, yeah, that, uh, that would not be a, a positive development for the hometown school. There's no doubt about it. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's just kind of is what it is. Like those two guys are going to be, uh, sort of linked through no fault or, or action of their own. Um, just because of, of what you laid out where, um, Nebraska chose to go another way, and they, they chose to, to rely on their new offensive coordinator who had long established a relationship with William Watson and who felt comfortable that he could run the kind of offense that they want to run. And so, like, the, the range of outcomes is so wide, right? Like, you could see, um, you know, a worst case where things don't work out this year for Nebraska and the whole staff is turned over anyway. and. Mm-hmm. And Flores dominates at Oklahoma State, like that—that that could happen. That's that's a possibility. Um, but I think you could also, you know, see things go the other way, where uh, you know Whipple comes in and, and the offense takes, and and Watson's a guy who who down the road can can sling it and, and do what they want him to do too. So um, you know, it, it's it's so interesting in Nebraska because there are so many other parts of the country where you have such an abundance of talent that you just know you're not going to get everybody. But at Nebraska or in this state, um, even with the advancements of high school football talent and, and how it's probably as good as it's been in a long time, yeah. there's still this sort of 
this sort of uh, desire or maybe even assumption that all the best players in the state should stay here, they should want to stay here, and the school should should want them to come to that school. Yeah. Um, and I think this is just an example where you know maybe the skill sets were different, maybe Zane uh, had eyes to get out of the state the way some of the other top prospects do too. So certainly it's going to be something um, that we'll talk about in terms of of uh, Nebraska's evaluation of that position. Um, but again, there's there's so much to be written on that story that it's going to be fascinating to follow. Well, the, well, the last thing, this is the two-parter. The Elite 11 MVPs in the Big Ten, 2019 C.J. Stroud or 2017 Justin Fields, who do you see is the better of those two? Uh, boy, I mean, they both have had outstanding receivers to work with. We've seen Fields complete work at Ohio State. We haven't seen what Stroud can do, you know, over the long term. Um, I saw Fields play a couple couple years ago when uh, when they were at uh, Ohio State when Nebraska was out there, and I think he threw one incompletion. Pretty remarkable stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if Stroud has the higher upside over the course of the next two years before he inevitably gets drafted and and maybe wins a Heisman. Yeah. Um, so, you know, okay. I guess just based on <laughs> yeah. some of the, the what we've seen so far from both teams or both players, I, I guess I'd say Stroud. Yeah, that, that that's kind of where I was leaning to. But, yeah, I just think that ultimately he's a little bit more consistent as far as accuracy and, and you know, just more of a pro-style quarterback in that, in that sense. But – yeah, I thought the same thing. Okay, thanks for joining us. Yeah, that'll wrap it up with uh, with uh, Evan Bland. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but thanks again for joining us this week, Evan. Thanks as always, guys. Talk to you later. All right, there he goes, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for Shootout with Strick, your chance to win $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings. Only one of you guys can do it, so give us a call right now, 402-464-5685. We've got some Elite 11 trivia coming up next here on Shootout with Strick on the block.